Hey guys, this is Kurt. And Logan. And we're here to talk about Battle Bards. I thought we were here to talk about how you're a terrible father. Pimping out your son. What? 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 Nothing. <laughs> okay. No, Battle Bards is great fantasy audio. I want to know that. Only things I care about are cartoons, balloons, Star Wars, candy, old people's whales, <laughs> dogs, Pokemon, video games, fireflies. Do you even know what those are? Existentialist paintings. How do you even know how to say that? The sound of forts, <laughs> ninjas, and electronics. Okay, that's a lot to process. Farts? Really? Oh, but check this out. Lord Ardok is a wooden fortique symbol. Bida octo mon farste outwis mon kasabu haudon fu chi tang gali asparos. Ooh, scary! And this. Ooh, impressive. You can't deny this, though. Noal na o lapireta ikarino ilasa zorge, lapilasa do lape turbs benas. Okay, that's very cool. Okay, Logan. So how much would you pay for that awesome audio? Thirteen point two pesos. There's no such thing as point two pesos. Fifteen hundred yen. Five hundred pinks. Republic credits. That's not even real. That's Star Wars, Logan. Well, let me tell you. You go to battlebars.com. You sign up for an account. And not only do you get that premium auto, but you can get a little something from us also. With the 10 and $25 packages, you get one free track with MFGCast1 as your coupon code. Buy a $50 or $100 package and get five free tracks with the code MFGCast2. That's a half of an album for free just for using that coupon code. Could it be any easier? Buy the $150 and $300 packages. Not only do you get most of Battle Bards fantasy audio, soundscapes, music, sound effects, etc., but you also get 10 free tracks with coupon code MFGCast3. A full album for free for using a coupon code from us. You're welcome. I'll just buy that great audio right now. Wait, but you have to you have to ask your parents permission before you buy. You ready to kick us off, man? Yeah, you betcha. This is the MFG cast. Hey guys, it's Kurt. And this is D. Wyatt. Going back to the rebranding. Damn it. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever get used to that. Hey, it's the MFG cast. You're damn right it is. Yay, we did it. Breaking the board since 2012. We have a fun little topic. Uh, we're going to talk about games that rarely get spoken Really, really, be, be, be. And they're ne never, ever going to be spoken about because I can't get my act together. It's late, but, you know, who knows? Who knows? You don't care. You're listening to this at work. You're probably nice and rested. We're going to be talking about games that are rarely talked about. Great games that are rarely talked about. If you listen to this podcast, you probably listen to a ton of different awesome board game podcasts, including us. And we'll just kind of talk about some games that, hey, maybe they're just, they need a little bit more love, you know? I mean, they just need us to say, hey, good job, little guy or little girl. You're doing awesome. Yeah, and um, part of the thing that kicked this off was uh, I was talking to Kurt recently about, like, you know, hey, man, if we wanted to, like, summarize the show in, like, one or two lines, if we wanted to just throw out a little quick, uh, you know, synopsis to somebody, what would you say best describes us? And that's when you said, talking about the games that you should be playing. You know, and I'm like, yeah, that's true. I mean, like, everyone mentions the hotness because it's, you know, they know it's big. They know you're dying for info on this stuff, but... 
the beauty of these board games is there's a lot of games you can be playing 5, 10, 15, 20 years later. And the problem is if you don't hear about it in that window when it comes out, it's very easy to get swept under the rug. Mm-hmm. You know, and it sucks. It's like, you know, you, like unless it's Puerto Rico or like, you know, Lords or like one of those like big titles that, you know, have constantly stayed in the zeitgeist. You know, you're like, oh, hey, man, like, you know, you want to check out like, uh, you know, like I got this thing like war bands. Like when the hell did that come out? Last year. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's yeah, not, yeah. It's not a game from 82 or anything. It's it came out in the last 10 months. It's just that. Yeah. We missed that two day window. And uh, now nobody knows about it ever again. Yeah. And there's and there's rarely a show that, you know, really goes back. Like I, I will give, you know, as much as people, you know, like or dislike the Dice Tower, you know, they they would do like a year. You know, they pick a year and, you know, go over some games and stuff like that. But even there, there can be some, you know, hidden gems that are missed. Easily to overlook because the other thing, too, is um, it's those play styles, you know, once you listen to a podcast long enough, because one of the things is uh, not only do we do, you know, do the show together. I listen to about 55 different podcasts. I'm subscribed to a massive amount of them because I have so much time at work that I can actually listen to these things. You know, so it's like I'm constantly starved for more input. So I'm just always finding out about new uh, podcasts. And, and I will throw out a quick little moment of love. Cube Love Podcast is awesome. Uh, they like some heavy style games. And oh my God, do they get into it. It's a long show, like, you know, hour and a half, two hour shows. But god damn, do they tear apart a game like to look inside. They get like so deep into the guts, really deep discussions, and I really enjoy that. So uh, so if you get a chance, you know, after you're done listening to our show, because we're never at two hours, <laughs> if you want to check out those guys, they're pretty cool too. <laughs> but yeah, it's like even with all those podcasts, like I'm like always thinking like I'll come home and I'll look at my shelf and I'll be like, I'll look at a title. It's like nobody ever talked about you. I look at another game. No one talks about you, you know. <laughs> Tyrants of the Underdark, one show one time said, that game is really expensive. And that was all. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and that's all I have to say about that. That's funny. Yeah, so uh, so we're going to toss a little love to, to the games that, you know, should be hitting your table, that are actually accessible. They're not... They're not games that are going for 300 bucks on eBay or that you got a Kickstarter in the next 12 hours, otherwise you never get it. These are things you can, like, buy today and play within uh, a day or two, you know? So, mm-hmm. Do you want to kick it off? Yeah, sure. I'd love to. I'm going to talk about a, a game that is actually probably one of the first games that we ever talked about on our podcast uh, that was on Kickstarter, and that's a game called uh, Dragon Whisperer by Albino Dragon. It's a trick-taking game. It's, you know, what can you say about trick-taking games? It's <laughs> it's the, the same as every trick-taking game for the most part. You know, a certain color wins, a certain color is trump. But in this game, what you can use, too, is there are certain cards that are, called, that are actual um, rage dragon cards, or dragon rage cards, sorry. And what you can do is you can cancel out an entire round of the trick by playing this dragon rage card and it eliminates. So, you know, if you're getting to a point where, you know, somebody is getting to the point where they're getting too many tricks and stuff like that, and they're getting too many points and you have a couple of dragon rage cards in your hand, you can play those to cancel the whole dang hand and screw somebody over and really make them mad. But the fir- the thing that you have to do, and I recommend that if you get this game that you have to do, the, what we do is every time <laughs> that you play the Dragon Rage card, <laughs> tra- tra- again, Tracy's not on this episode, but you can hear her in the background laughing because you have to go, Dragon Rage, because that's just <laughs> fun. Uh, it's it's a family you know, it's a family game. It's, it's easy to play. Um, unfortunately, it's a three or more player game, so if you're into two-player games or you can't find that third player, then... You know, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to play this because there's not a two-player variant for this. I'm sure you could probably make one up if you did, but um, it's super. It's actually still pretty cheap too, because I think at the time it was only twenty bucks. And to tell you the truth, no, I think it was like fifteen, and I think that's what you can get it for right now. So it's cheap. It's a it's a very good game. I really dig it, and that's Dragon Whisperer by Albino Dragon. How is the uh, the art style in it? Oh, the art is amazing. Thank you for saying that. The art is top-notch. I can't remember who. Richard Borg. Nope, that's not it. Shane Tyree, sorry. And I know because I actually interviewed Shane, and he is a, he is a very cool dude. 
and his art for that is amazing. He's one of these guys that is big into fantasy, so you can tell um, it almost has like it almost has like a Tolkien esque feel feel to it. And the dragons are just amazingly beautiful. And I think during the Kickstarter, you could actually get you could actually get a dragon too, which is like a like a. It says it's a mini, but the thing is huge. And um, I can't remember. We ended up kickstarting because they had their own little Kickstarter for you could get the dragon, um, a dragon coin, and then something else. And we got we actually have that. I have it here, and the mini is amazing. It's a, probably about the size of like. Mm, trying to think like a coffee cup even bigger maybe even bigger than a coffee cup it is fucking cool as hell the only thing that sucks is it's not painted but you know it's just a lot of those minis that come like that because the painting is just so hard to do and the game board is just a small little game board it's about i don't know like three by six or six by three i don't know dimensions very well but and then uh the tokens that are actually on the spots for the different colors they have random points on them but they're visible. So, you know, if once you win a hand, you can actually pick where you want the token to go for getting more points because there's, there's like, I think it's like five per color on the game board. So I, I'm sorry, I just kind of, you know, forgot, I kind of omitted that on accident. But you can, you know, if you think that you've got a bad hand, you can manipulate it to where you go, okay, well, then this one's only going to be for one point, so whoever has a better hand is going to end up getting the least amount of points. So eventually when you get a good hand, and if you win a hand, then you can manipulate it to where you get more points and stuff like that. But again, with how different player counts, it you know it could kind of throw a wrench into things. So Yeah, I like those um, trick-taking games where you if you know that you're going to tank, you can manipulate what's actually better. Mm -hmm. Uh, that reminds me of that game I think it's called like Dwarf Kings or something where like there's a Dwarf King that's like the first player there's also also a Dwarf King that decides which part of the trick is going to work either like most like you know the highest card wins or the highest card loses or something you know and it changes from trick to trick and those are always good like because you know when you look at your hand and you're like I'm going to get nothing (laughs) yeah and then also something can change the rules and you're like well 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 Maybe it doesn't suck to be me after all. <laughs> yeah, and then I think there's even there's even tokens in this game too, where you can get wolf tokens, and I think it's like uh, I can't remember exactly, but I think it's like whoever has the most most wolf tokens at the end or werewolf tokens gets five points at the end, and then there's gold coins for certain cards. I think the twos have the werewolves, and then like threes or fours or something like that have the gold coins. So then you can get other points certain other ways too so it, it really mixes things up and i really enjoy kind of how they put that together so that sounds pretty cool man and especially yeah. at that price point right yeah exactly it's you know most most tricking most trick taking games are pretty cheap but this i think is it's got a lot of replayability to it so all right so um so one of the top ones on my list here is uh and i believe you played this one a couple times too steamworks from tmg games mm-hmm so, how this game never got talked about is beyond me. We, you know, uh, I think the only show that I ever heard talk about it was the GNU podcast, that show from <laughs> ages ago. <laughs> um, I think I was on that time when we talked about it. I think you were. And it's <laughs> it's so good because, all right, at its work, like, Steamworks is the true definition of an engine-building game. It's a simple worker placement. There's really not too many spaces, per se, but in, uh, in almost like the buildings from Lords of Waterdeep, you're creating spaces for players to use. So you might take like the, um, like the money processing machine and hook that up to a clockwork engine. And now anytime that somebody triggers that clockwork power source, they're going to get three coins. Right? So you made a space for people to put their worker and they'll get money. But you can have multiple devices go off of each power source. So you might have it where you're going to get $3. Oh, and you're also going to be able to take another power source. Or, oh, you can also get another clockwork engine if you go here. And $6. And So you're actually building devices and machines to encourage other players to use your spots. And the reason is every time they do, you get a clock. Clocks not only trigger the end game condition, but they're victory points at the end of the game. 
Plus, your machines are victory points. Every device gives a point. Every special power plant gives a point. You can actually make machines that will give you power points. Like, uh, I'm sorry, victory points. So it's like, oh, you go on this device, you know, you get a victory point, two coins, and you can convert old power cores that you don't need into victory points, like a recycling center and stuff. But what makes this game even more involving is there's like conveyor belts for the different eras of tiles. So like the board is always changing. It's never the same state. So if you're like, yeah, well, this stuff sucks, it's going to be different next round. The player marker passing is actually huge, and there's some machines that you can do to manipulate player order, which is awesome. Um, in addition to that, the game is up to five players, and there's eight player boards where they're all the same, and then the B side is asynchronous. So everyone starts out differently with different money and different like you know powers or different starting tiles and everything. So there's tons of replayability. There's unique tiles to the people. There's there's even like a sub game of just like reading your audience, you know, like if you're using uh, like take, for example, like the um, one of the engineers, she's almost like a Tesla, like student or something like she doesn't pay money to her workers. She actually pays them in the electric cores. So knowing that you need those, I might design an amazing machine that's like, oh, hey, you know, this actually if you go here, you're going to get to like expand your base. Oh, and you get three energy power cores. And you're also going to get like $2 and you can build, pick up another piece off the board. That's cool, right? You kind of want to do that. And you're like, yeah, I do. And I might also put in machines where it's like, when you activate those, I also get some extra pieces. So it's like, yeah, you get three power cores and I take one and you get $4 and I get one and you get this and I take one of these. So it's like, I love this, like marketing to the players, reading the table, seeing what the demands are. It's a little bit economic when you, when you want it to be. And that's usually what helps you win. The making the machines, the asynchronous powers, like there's so much going on in this box. I got this game, I think like about two and a half years ago, still playing it. We actually played it uh, earlier today just to reminisce over it. Even at two players, the game is amazing. And this is one of those games that you see on cool stuff on sale like five or six times a year for like something stupid, like $12 or $16 or something. You see it half price a lot of times at places, like for 30 bucks and stuff. This game is, I, I would actually probably say it's like one of my top 10. Just because of how much you can do, how much you can control, how different every game plays out. And this is something that anytime I broke it out to new players, they're always like, oh, did that just come out? Like they never heard of it before. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, no, it didn't. And this is why you're going to go and buy it in about two weeks from now. And, you know, so far, I mean, it's had a pretty good success ratio. I've actually had a couple of friends pick it up over the last two years. I still break it out to some new players, and people are usually always surprised by it. Like, it's something they never heard about. Um, the designer is Alex Churchill. Uh, I know he made a couple of things, but I guess, like, if you're not the UA Rosenberg and, you know, like uh, like Stefan Feld or something like that, like, if unless you have that pedigree, a lot of people kind of, like, sometimes forget designers. So maybe that's why this one got overlooked. I'm not sure, but I would definitely say Steamworks is worth time and worth space on your table. Yeah, yeah, it's a fun game. I, it's funny because even when you we were kind of going over some of the games that we were going to talk about, I'm like Steamworks. Yeah, we have that game. Oh my gosh, I like that game. Why don't we ever? Why don't we play that game? You know, I like the personalities of everybody, and it you know again a good game plays to the strengths of the personalities of the characters that they make up. And just every personality, ha whatever the B-side is, it plays to the strengths of them. And, it, you know, it, it, it can cause a conflict between, you know, certain characters and stuff like that, which is cool. Um, another thing, you can make, you, you could raise your own automaton. I mean, come on, who doesn't love that? You get your own, you can get your own meeple. I mean, come on, that's like the best thing ever. The, the automaton meeple is amazing. And one of the other things that I love with that is it's a free worker. So if you make the machine where you create the automaton, everybody wants to use it. Cause they're like, you know, it's like, don't give him points. Don't, and he's like, okay, either we give him a free action or at least I get a bonus action. I don't care if he gets a victory point. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, it's, it's the ultimate, like I'm owning this. I am crushing you people. Like when you make that machine with the automaton and it's great. Cause when the other tile comes out, everyone scrambles to get it. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, it's funny because, like, I think that this game is well-made and the story of it is great. But think about trying to sell that to a game company. Okay, so there's this conveyor belt, and it's got a bunch of these things where you can make electricity that runs into other electricity, and then it makes other things. You know, and then robots. Robots? Okay, robots. Tell me more. And then you can make it automaton. Okay, that sounds better. You know, like, it, it's like... Oh, and then, so you know, after, you know, so many rounds, these things pop off and they fall off like you're on a conveyor belt. You know, it's like, oh, boy, that sounds like a snooze fast. But they take, you know, take this game and they make it into something that's visually very cool looking. And then, like, you know, the different, like, if it's cogs, the cogs match up. If it's pipes, the pipes match up. I mean, it's just, it's cool. It's It's got its, it's, got its own uh, unique look to it. And it looks very steampunky and fun. Yeah, and instead of like everyone running around with like uh you know like copper sunglasses and top yeah, hats yeah, to the side, yeah. it's literally just the machines of steampunk and <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not like it's like oh, le- electricity and funny hats. Boy, look at <laughs> we we're steampunk. Ah, jeez. <laughs> so so what's another one would you say that uh is a must play for people? Yeah, a must-play. You know, I, it's funny because I was just going to reference that, you know, it seems like around this time during, you know, Halloween season, well, we're just past it, but it's kind of around this, we're only a few days removed, but, you know, everybody thinks, ooh, spooky, let's do a spooktacular podcast. You know what? I did a couple of those. It gets old. There's not that many <laughs> games out there. People reference the same things, Betrayal at Haunted House or Haunted Hill or whatever, and, you know, Dead of Winter, blah, 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 same stuff. A game that we've talked about, we've you know talked to these people, some uh, great guys from uh, Tinkerbot Games, Ghostol. This is a game that you know, unless you're listening to us or a few snippets from the Dice Tower, you don't hear about this game um, enough. I think it's you're basically scaring people that are going to this hotel. You're trying to scare them away, and there's certain ways that there's certain ways to do it. Um, what you're doing is you're rolling dice, and you're trying to get over a certain mouse, a certain amount. Everybody has a value on them, and um, as you're going through these certain uh, rooms in this hotel, you place uh, one die there, um, and then things will, you know, get upgraded and and downgraded depending upon special abilities and stuff like that. But each time you move, you're basically, you have to move out of the room that you were in previously. So I think you start with three dice, if I'm not mistaken. And then you continue on as you upgrade to more dice and stuff like that. And then as you, you know, get meet or exceed the certain level of scare points for these, for these customers, then you'll get points depending upon who has the most points, second most points, third most points, and then fourth most points if you're playing four players but it's just the art is fun the they also like uh, a lot of these customers have uh things that they're afraid of and they'll have little things on in the in the in the corners of the cards that tell you what they're afraid of so then you can get these uh scare cards or i think they're called scare tactics or whatever that you can use to double your amount of scare points but there's also special other special abilities like on people and stuff like that. Like there's one like if you land on them, you can't get off of that card until you scare them completely and they're out of the game. So then you're stuck. So if you want to use all your all your points to scare them and get a lot of points, you can. But you are not be able. You won't be able to move around and get the other guys. Um, cool thing is too is if you don't scare somebody completely before the round is over then you have to take each dice and tick it down one so then you know it kind like of like the fear is working on them less as time goes on yeah exactly so they kind of sleep it off or something or whatever but again the art the gameplay it's just all together just wrapped up a ton of fun uh they have the 3d ghost meeples which are fantastic looking um they as of this recording i think they're doing an expansion right now so if you if you are excited about this game and you want an expansion if you have the game but also they also have a pledge where you can buy the game and the expansion together and you get more ghost meeples and then different 
more cards, I think, too. Yep, and the, so it's the more ghost meeples and then weird guest. Oh, they actually are they actually are already funded it, which is cool. Um, I'm sure eventually you'll be able to get that too. But but yeah, just everything about this game is super fun. Not only do I like the guys that created it because we've talked to Gino and Bevan a, a, a bunch of times about this game, but it's like one of again, it's one of those games that nobody's heard of, but I will tell everybody that I super enjoy it. Yeah, and you know, Rico, I'm actually like looking at it. When you were mentioning like how you you know got to break the people like you know work on their phobias and everything, mm-hmm. the people they have um they award different points based on how much you did. Almost it reminds me of almost like um oh my god uh, Smash Up where it's like you don't necessarily need to win something like you know completely by yourself. Like just being part of the action can still get yeah. you points. Yeah, exactly. And then you can what you do is you to get more cards and more dice. You actually spend victory points. So that's another thing where you have to kind of, you know, okay, do I want to use these points if I'm in the lead? Or, you know, with last time we played it, Logan was so far in the lead, it didn't matter. He was just, like, <laughs> spending spending points like it was, like, he's like Mr. Moneybags, you know? Yeah, he's like, I'll spend a few more. I'll spend three more. I'll spend five more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah, it's, a, it's a, one of those games that's it's fun for everybody. I don't think that... I don't think that anybody would be disappointed by this game. I really don't. I really enjoy it. Yeah, this I gotta admit, this thing actually looks really, really cool. And um, the the art style, it, it's like reminiscent of a few games, like the uh, almost like the caricatures style things of people. Mm-hmm. But it does look really cool, and it also seems like how quick does it play? Is it like it looks like it's probably about like like forty five minutes or so, maybe? Yeah, yeah, it's like half an hour, forty five at most. That's pretty cool. Yeah, very quick, very quick. It's a you know medium size looking game, and it plays fairly quickly. And you know, again, quick, fun, good. I mean, what else can I say? And it was fairly cheap too. I want to say thirty, maybe. Yeah, I'm looking around. It's like the problem is like um, on BGG, like the only people that have it for sale are uh, like it's like out of UK and Germany and all that right now. Yeah, yeah. But when, the, especially if the second wave comes around for this, this definitely looks like something I want to play now. I really, it does look really enjoyable, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those guys are out of the UK. That's probably why it's hard to find it in the states right now. But again, totally worth it if you get a chance. The the only thing I think I'm gonna have a problem with is uh, one of the phobias of people apparently is clowns. So Kim's not gonna like that part at all. Nice. <laughs> Believe me, I don't like clowns either, but I I can I can stomach this game. And Tracy too. Tracy is hella scared of scary clowns. So, or any clown in particular. Right? Did I just say hella scared? That's weird. Like I'm out of a '90s movie or something. All right, Dan, you're just, up again. I'm gonna have to bring her a balloon when we get together. All right, yeah, so. exactly. All right, she'll slap you in the face. So this next game, it got a lot of love when it was launching on Kickstarter, and uh, Suzanne Sheldon was one of the biggest, um, like, you know, uh, shouting from the rooftops about this game, and that's part of the reason why I wanted to get into it, and that is, it's actually another TMG game, Orleans. Orleans uses the bag building mechanic instead of deck building, so instead of a stack of things, you know, as things go back in your bag, you could keep pulling the same dude every turn. It's not like a deck builder where you have to wait until you recycle out. Like, since you're reaching into the bag, the randomness dictates you may get it. Because there's not a discard pile in this game. But Orleans is... It's interesting because you're using all these different types of workers to trigger spaces. And those spaces will get you additional workers. And you're also going up in track. So, like, more farmers don't only get you more farmers, but you start immediately getting some goods. And whoever has the most in the farming track is going to get money every round because you know like they're supplying food for people you can travel on this board and find goods you set up uh trade posts along the way and that helps network uh victory points because you're creating these like trade routes and everything which help out the citadels you get monks and like monks help bring knowledge and that'll get you multipliers for all your victory points and you can send out citizens to like these councils and everything the the game has a lot going on, really interesting choices, and one of my favorite parts is it has a countdown stack of these tiles that's the game's clock. And each time at the end of the round, there's going to be an event. It could be a plague where everyone pulls out a guy from their bag, and if it's not one of your starters, they die from disease. 
It could be taxes where you have to pay. It could be income from your guild houses where you get money. There's a lot of things going on that once you get the hang of that clock stack, you can start kind of mapping out things like, oh man, like we're halfway through the game. We didn't see a single guild house payoff yet. I gotta start building. So there's like that little meta knowledge that the more you play this, the more rewarding it is. And then they also have two expansions out. Like they have the trade and intrigue and invasion. And invasion introduces a co-op mode to Orleans. There's new boards that you can implement. There's all these new ideas. Um, the trade and intrigue has even more tiles and more options. There's a whole bunch of building things that are available on Board Game Geek. Uh, that's another thing. You can build unique buildings that are new action spaces that are for you only. There's a lot going on in this game. So I have a question for you. Yes. So you, you've been talking about it and kind of skirting around it, but why don't you tell people that may not know about, like, what exactly is the theme of this game? So the theme is you're helping to actually build up the Citadel, and that's why there's so many different routes you can do, because you can do the trade routes to help increase its, like, economy. You can create more citizens to help, like, you know, increase its utility. It's, also, it's ultimately showing that, you know, you're a great leader in the city, right? Gotcha. And helping Orleans itself. And the thing is, this is another one of those games where um, every time I play it, I'm smiling afterwards. Regardless if I come in first or last, doesn't matter. It, it's Clemens Franz art, which never hurts. I'm, I will admit that. Never a bad thing in a game from my, in my book. Um, one of my favorite things is at uh, Dexcon. There was a guy that was running Orleans. And he was like, uh, he was running two tables, and he goes, you know, I'm sorry, just give me a minute. I never actually got to play this game. I watched the run-through videos twice, though. You know, and I'm like, you never got to play? And he goes, no, you know, he's like, uh, I would like to, but I got to help run both tables, so I don't, I don't know if I'm going to have time. And I was like, no, no, no. You said I'll help run two tables. And I because I needed him to play this game. The fact that he never got to play it, like, killed me when I heard it. And we were actually all able to play. We had uh, two tables of um, four players each and everyone had a great time with the game first time players thought it was amazing this guy was so happy that he finally got to play the game and it's just it's such a rewarding experience the fact that there's so many things to explore there is player interaction because only one person can build a guild house in each city except for the city of orleans itself so you're like cutting other players off and whoever has a really good method to travel, you might have to be careful. And if this guy is just doing massive trade routes, you know, you can run around and explore because he's not going to care what you're doing. Like, again, it's it's one of the few euros that does have some level of play inter player interaction. It's a simple play, but lots of interesting choices. It can keep you coming back time and time again. And no one really talks about it. Like it got mentioned when it first came out, that was it. it. It is never seems to make any like top list for people. Just recently, it got mentioned because at Essen, the designer is making the next bag building game. So people are like, oh, Orleans is good. I can't wait to see what he does. I mean, yeah, I'll, I'm sure when it come, this thing comes out, I'll be in for it because Orleans is amazing. But I don't think Orleans is going to get replaced. I know this is going to possibly uh shake you to your core kurt there is times that if you ask uh do you want to play lords of war deep or orleans i will say orleans <laughs> i don't believe it it's just so just like that trying to edge out because another one last thing is multiple spaces have like citizen rewards that are victory points at the end as well and only the first person that makes to certain points in the tracks gets those so it's like I got six knights. You got six knights. Whoever gets their seventh knight first gets that citizen. It's like, you son of a bitch, you're going to make a knight, aren't you? I got, I need that knight. It's like, <laughs> I might try to take that other spot because it's like, all right, well, Kurt also is trying for merchants. So I'll make some merchants and I'll make some knights. And whichever action you resolve first, you know I'm taking that other one because I need to cut you off at the knees for that citizen. It's just an interesting thing of ebb and flow and choices. And... I don't feel like the expansions are necessary, but what's nice is they don't just pile on junk 
to the core game. It's like, okay, we're going to take out your time counter deck. We're going to modify this thing. And now it's a co-op. So you're not using those boards. It's not like there's five more boards and 10 new actions and three new classes. It's, it's like a new direction for that game. It almost feels like the game is a system and they changed up how you can play it as opposed to just dumping more stuff on you. You know, and that's, that's again, one of those things that's rare in design. Usually it's always like, here's 500 more cards. Here's 20 new classes. Here's 15 new miniatures. None of that for this. It's stylized play in the expansions. And the core game alone, I probably got about, like, I would say, like, a good 30 plays out of the core game before even touching one of the expansions. So Orleans is definitely, if you like Deck Builder, if you like, you know, multiple paths to victory that are actually viable... Not just, oh, you know, you can kill orcs or goblins. Oh, wow. Talk about multiple paths. I mean, like, legit multiple paths. Orleans definitely deserve some love. So, we t- kind of talked about this before we got on. It, it's weird. And I, I don't want to say this in, like, a derogatory, negative way about these companies. But, it like, with Taster Mentral and Queen Games, we talked about this a little bit before seems like when their games come out it seems like oh this is amazing you should go get this like for a hot minute and then you don't hear anything about it anymore you know it's it's so weird it's like i'm not saying it as a detriment to these companies but it's just like how does that happen it just seems like for these two companies it's always that kind of thing where it's like you know these games are just cool and then like they don't get talked about ever again it feels like and you know, and uh, it's interesting to bring that up. Uh, after we go through another uh, title or two for our list, I got a little something that I want to touch on with this. But since it applies to a, a bigger scope, I'm gonna put it on the back burner and make sure we revisit this in, a, in a, about 15, 20 minutes. Sounds awesome. So here's another game. I again, I I told Dan before we were recording. I feel like we're just talking about our friends and people that we know and stuff like that. But I think that Fairway Three Games. Uh, Starving Artist is one of those games that's one of these few games that comes around that I think is very special. And I hope Mike is listening to this, Mike Wokash of Fairway Through Games, who made it, because he was able to come up with a very unique style game of putting beautiful, beautifully colored cubes on beautiful art and luckily he was able to find art that's something that he didn't have to pay for. Um, I can't remember what they call that. Just being able to, you know, take cubes from, you know, you can, you're basically what you're doing is you're, you're becoming a, you're, you're a starving artist and you either, you have to paint to sell your paintings and eat food to live. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's basically the whole name of the game. You know, you use the certain, you know, cubes to uh, put in those spots. There are some spots that have a halvesy colors, so then you can put a different one in there. Um, you know, depending upon what paintings you use, you can actually get more food or less food. Yeah, it's like when you were saying the multicolor, it's like the things where it's like where the ocean meets like a nighttime sky. You can use like blue or black. Yeah, yeah. You know, stuff like yeah. that was a cool idea. I thought that was really interesting where it's you're like... I can imagine, like, you know, you're painting and you're like, uh, the ocean just goes a little further. <laughs> <It's> like, or <laughs> I'm out of blue, uh, night's settling quicker, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And he was able to take these cards that are, you know, you know, a, almost like a tarot-sized card, maybe even a little bit bigger than that, and have these beautiful paintings. And he made, uh, you know, through the Kickstarter, when it was so successful because it was such a great idea and so beautiful he's able to make a ton of different cards so you're able to look at these different paintings and some that are just so obscure that you wouldn't know about that you can learn about and then also he was able to you know just the process of what you know what he made like even the box that it comes in basically folds out and it it's it's magnetic it folds out and you can use the top part of it for a scoring track and yeah, just everything that went into it, and it should, and also it's a it's a heavy strategy game, even though it doesn't seem like it is. It's a very heavy strategy game. One thing I remember is um, when he was still working on it, uh, we got to look at this game, and in the beginning, I wasn't that warm on it. 
Mm-hmm. But a couple of changes, a little bit of, you know, very minute things. But the addition of the uh, the clear cubes, where those would be like wild colors. Yeah. You know, that just like eased it a little bit because the color ratio is not fair. It's not like there's 20 of each color. Like there's, you know, maybe like 12 black and like 18, like 15 orange and 18 red. Like the color distribution is a little different. And I remember at one point it was like, Kim had like, you know, six of whatever was the lowest color. Like say it was black and there's only 10. She had like six of them. And I'm like, I'm never going to finish this painting. Like I am doomed. <laughs> but that addition of those like wild colored, you know, tokens definitely helped out. I also like the idea of when you complete the paintings, all you care about is more paint. Like the food is, you know, you need the food to live and you're like, fine, whatever. I get two food. I bump up to it in my food track, but you get paid in paint cubes. So you're basically getting paid in labor. <laughs> yeah. Where it's yeah. like, you can work more now. Oh, thanks, boss. Yeah. yeah. The theme of starving artists is very apparent. <laughs> it's like, you're just doing enough to live. And that's the life of an artist anyway. <laughs> yeah. And I do like that whole like concept of like, if the other artists like quote unquote starve out, it's like, you know, like they lost their passion and you're still in it. <laughs> it's like... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So all all together, it's a it's a beautiful game and a, another cheap one. So, and one other thing that he did that I, I think is really awesome, and uh, it can only really work for a game like this. I know for a while, like on the Fairway site, you can actually uh, there's a link for the Game Crafter where you can submit your own images and it'll fill in color needs, and you can print those out on cards for starving artists. So you can actually like customize this for like one of your buddies or something. Like I was actually thinking like if you wanted to give this to somebody as like a birthday gift or a wedding gift, take pictures of the event, yeah. get some of the cards made in that thing and then submit it to them. Like how much would somebody lose their mind for that? And I mean, think about it for this game. It works because honestly, what paintings come up, you can't like plan out. Like even if you knew the next painting needed four red and three green, what are you going to do? Mastermind that? You can't do that in this game. You're going to lose if you try to like meta game. So it's like even if the cards have a slightly different trim or like the backing isn't as glossy or something, it doesn't matter. Like it's still an awesome idea and the fact that you can give somebody the this ultimately customized game is amazing. I give Mike a lot of credit for doing that game crafter thing because, you know, it he he did that for a lot of other things too where he'd be like Oh, I think this would be fun to put on Game Crafter, and then oh, here's you know he, he a lot he was making up some stuff, some games and stuff like that, and some other stuff. It was just like here you go, you know, you can just have this, you know, just it it's cool. He the one thing I like about what Mike did is he listened to a lot of his backers, and he even had people vote on the things that they wanted. He wanted in it too because he even put some old school comic booky looking things that like nobody has any clue what they're from and then some like oriental paintings and paintings and stuff like that which was beautiful it is such a mix like i i remember that's another thing too the amount of from when we like early tested it to its release i think the amount of paintings like slightly more than doubled yeah and oh my god the scope is ridiculous like you're saying like everything from like ancient asian culture to like modern uh retro like you know a comic style noir style it there's everything covered in this you know it's again even if you just like somebody's an art major you know or just has a real interest in like you know like museum visits for like the you know the exhibits like that this is this is something that's a really cool gift to give them mm-hmm. you know and yeah, uh, and the sure. best part about when you give it to somebody as like you know a christmas gift you're like, hey, why don't we break out that copy of Starving Artist I got you? So now you can mm. play it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Give them an excuse to play. Yeah, uh, I have multiple times given people gifts where it's like, hey, we should play that soon, you know, just to make sure it works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know that game that I spent a lot of my hard-earned money on? We should probably play that. So last quick one on my end. Kim, unfortunately, was unable to make it for tonight due to massive exhaustion. Because uh, we have a three-day con coming up uh, starting tomorrow morning. But it's a game actually called Magnum Opus. This was the first game I ever backed on Kickstarter. And it was the way that I got to find out that release dates mean nothing on Kickstarter. But it's an interesting take on alchemy where you actually lay out like a discovery matrix. Like four ingredients by four ingredients. And those ingredients have difficulty numbers. So when you mix them, you need to roll that summer higher on D8s. And if you do, you find out what that result is. 
and you're trying to like find these magnum opus pieces like to create your masterpiece and everyone has different findings that has to happen but it's cool because like you might discover like oh this is like translate like transmute lead to gold and you can get more money cool or like this thing is like it transmutes one resource to another and you're like awesome i got tons of that stuff anyway let me change these things it's almost like a little bit like deck building with the ingredients and all that but i like that you get to experiment you get to roll you learn from failure you get like learning tokens whenever you fail a roll that you can cash in for plus ones and stuff like that so it's it's a little interesting title um i didn't want to go into it too much because the downside is it's also not easy to find it only had the one run it was from game salute which kind of is a disaster in and of itself like i feel like if queen games or someone else got their hands on this stuff you could get it nowadays but game salute is kind of like oh did we make money good let's never look at this thing again how do i get more money can you give me more money you know so yeah that's tough yeah their practices are not the best i'm uh generally usually displeased with their stuff so so do you have any last titles you want to mention or uh, do you want to jump on that little thing I was telling you about with the expansions and all that? Yeah, let's jump on that, shall we? So as I mentioned, uh, you know, listen to some Cube Love lately and they brought up this interesting idea and I never really thought of it. One of the hosts, he despises promos. <laughs> and the reason is he noted that promos serve one of two purposes Either they do nothing and they're just so you can be like, oh yeah, I got this because I was at Essen in 2015 and that's the only <laughs> way you can get this card. I mean, you can buy it online and it's $35, but I have it. And you're like, okay, it does nothing for the game. And then the other thing is they're stupid broken where it's like, okay, uh, we're playing Dead of Winter. All right, I'm going to play this guy. He discovers on one and shoots on a one and he comes in with a machine gun and the machine gun lets me kill nine zombies at any location. If I inhale, <gasps> oh, cool, I shot all these, you know, and it's like stupid things like that where they're just so broken that whoever gets these first kind of like wins or just has such like a free bone thrown at them that nothing else in the game balances it out and then along that same vein he was talking about like you know expansions where it's kind of like i don't really care about expansions because it should have been in the base game if it's needed and rather than get an expansion i'd rather just get a new game like i'd rather discover a new path instead of finding out what this guy is like oh yeah i should have had this stuff too and i like i don't necessarily agree with it but i kind of get it because it's like yeah i kind of seen that at times where it's like you get an expansion and you're like eh this is stuff it's stuff that goes with the game now like like i was saying like now the deck is 150 cards instead of 120 okay you know and the other thing they mentioned was like these super deluxified games you know where it's like go on kickstarter and you get 100 more minis or you get these metal coins and all these other things and I was thinking about that when you were talking about, like, especially with TMG games, their last several Kickstarters, they've had deluxified options. And Orleans had a deluxified where all of those resource goods were also wooden tokens. And they actually had, like, meeples for your bag instead of the cardboard discs. And then they had Yokohama Deluxe with 3d buildings instead of the cardboard chits and again wooden resource tiles instead of chits and metal coins for the money and everything and then they just had crusaders i will be done deluxified they have another game on kickstarter right now deluxified and i'm kind of wondering i mean do you think do you think a part of it could be like oh my god this game is awesome yeah um they have a retail version that's downscaled to this version but you know that's oh well what if i wanted your version oh you can't have that they don't make those uh, but why not i want to give them money they just don't you can never have this ever well i mean unless you pay like 250 dollars, and then you can have it and i wonder if that is starting to grate on people like do you think like because here's a problem if i put my deluxified copy of yokohama up tmg doesn't see any money from that they're not getting sales it's like the gamestop conundrum where it's like you know somebody buys my deluxified version of something for like 150 dollars because they figure next year they'll flip it for 200 dollars, and then somebody buys that plays it a few times and somebody wants that and it's like oh well i'll sell it to you for 250 you know 
And it's like, I wonder if maybe sometimes the reason these games slip to the side is like, if you can't get the bonkers, everything included version, maybe people just kind of don't care as much anymore. Because there's always something new out, you know? It's like, I mean, I I challenge you to go on Kickstarter and not find something that looks cool. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, there's a ton. And, you know, and even with like, it's hard for me to think about that kind of stuff. Like, 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 if I have a game, like, We've talked about, me and Tracy have talked about this before. We have Takedo, we have all the expansions for it, but now they've got the they've got the little miniatures for all of the characters. Uh, and you can get it with the game, too, and, you know, get this deluxe version of it. And I'm like, well, that would have been cool to see, like, when I before I bought the game, you know, when it originally kind of was, you know, out or whatever. But, you know, seeing a deluxe game or something, it's like, you know, why would I... I don't know. I just, I just feel like, why would I bother? You know, it's like, I'd rather just, I'd rather just pay the regular amount for the regular game and just play it instead of having, you know, all these millions of things, you know, granted there's, there's a lot of times where you, you know, you'll, you'll have a game that's worth your time and money. Like we, we've talked about, like, you know, you've got a, you've got your, uh, Lords of Waterdeep pimped out. We were excited when we actually, grab some colored meeples to put in put in ours you know and use them we haven't actually used it yet but we'll have to do that because we have a day off coming up so we'll have to put play some games or whatever but yeah it's like that kind of stuff it's like i don't know do i really need it i mean uh, unless it's something that i bring the table bring to the table like all the time and people see like you know maybe i'm one of these people that goes to a game store goes to cons and is like here it is you want to play this game you're going to get the full experience i've got minis i've got gold coins i've got blah 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 you know you're going to be like oh man i need that but unfortunately what that could do too is be like okay so i have to get this game okay well i'll get the game oh wait i can't find these upgraded parts Oh wait, I'm gonna have to wait for a little bit. Wait, I see somebody's got them on eBay, but they're way too expensive. Okay, well I'll have to wait for this. You know, it's just to me, it's it might be a little too much time trying or too much time and money trying to figure out what's right. So you might just play the the regular version of it. Yeah, and you know it's funny because it's like um, with promos, I I think about how. I mean, you know, this is like a kind of like a generalization type thing. But a lot of board gamers kind of have that completionist tendency where it's like, I need all the expansions. I need all the whatever. So it's like these promo things come out and they just drive you nuts trying to get them. And again, like for what? You know, it's like it's either stuff that should just be in the game. And and I get it because they need to have these promos or otherwise why would you buy the $385 tickets to go to this con and like pay $280 a night for the hotels and like you know like the cons need something that's con exclusive and I get that but it's so odd that you know I it's funny because like um like Century Spice Road right a friend of mine played it and he heard about the Golem edition he's like oh that's awesome I think I want to get that it's like oh that was only a Gen Con all right well I'm just not going to buy the game at all then like he was like I'd rather have that fantasy theme, and if I can't get it, I just I don't care anymore. And then I think they started actually putting it on their site where you can buy it just direct from them now. Like, it wasn't Gen Con exclusive anymore. But it's, again, like, just these odd practices. And then, like, the other thing, too, is it's almost like a video game concept where I, it's funny. Like, I see on video games where it's like, oh, you can buy the game for $60, or you can buy, like, the silver edition for $80, or you can buy, like, the gold edition for $100, and the gold edition also comes with the season pass and everything else, and people are like, that's stupid. Why would I buy DLC for a video game I haven't even played yet? And then on Kickstarter, it's like, oh, we got this game, and there's eight mini expansions that you can buy at the $195 pledge. And people are like, click, 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 click. Like, first backer, got to tweet it right now, and it's like, it's so weird that board games are doing the thing that people said it's stupid for video games to do, and those kickstarter numbers are showing that people clearly are not bothered by it oh yeah there's always that one person that's like i'm i'm always the person that gets the highest level on a kickstarter yeah you know i like fifteen hundred dollars i have my name on it i have my name in the rule book really you probably could have donated that to charity another thing i was i was thinking about too 
is that I don't really look for promos. You know, like when we went to Gen Con and, you know, we bought Centurini and we got a couple of promos and the guy, it was a third party that was selling it. He's like, if you go to the actual, uh, who makes Centurini again? I can't think of it right now. Roxley Games? Roxley, yep. So we went to Roxley and got a couple more promos, but it's like, you know, we didn't go to, you know, get games for promos, you know, because like, you get the game because you want the game. You know, getting a game for promos is like, it's silly. And the whole video game thing too always makes me laugh because it's like, especially with Minecraft. Think about Minecraft. It's like, okay, here's Minecraft. Well, here's the same game, but then we're going to make them superheroes. Okay, cool. Here's the same game, but here it's (laughs) Star Trek, guys. Oh, cool. Here's the same game, but it's like, what? (laughs) Well, why do I need to pay you know, 10, 15 bucks for something that's just a reskin of something I'm already playing and already dominating at, you know? Yeah, you're like, please stop doing this to me. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And, you know, the whole completest thing, like, it it makes me think of Mike when Mike used to collect hero clicks and he would just buy and buy and buy and buy because it was just like, not only was he buying them for the game, but he's also a collector of that kind of stuff. So it was like, Oh well, of course I gotta get all the X Men, and then I've gotta get all the you know Fantastic Four, and then I gotta get this, and then I get that, you know. And it's like, do we really need all that? You know, maybe we can actually take that money and spend it towards something that we can enjoy that will, you know, not sit on a shelf. Yeah, I'm. I'm saying it's like, like take for example, um, you know, I'm just doing like a little quick browsing here, right? Mm-hmm. But let's just say. You know, yeah, like you can back that game on Kickstarter for like a hundred dollars, whatever, right? Or and you know, it's like yeah, you're gonna get it in a year from now, and maybe it'll be good, maybe it won't. I don't know, you know, like uh, and sometimes people go by like, well, it's an Eric Lang game, I know I'm gonna like it, or it's this, I know it's gonna like it. But Parfum, another game that you mentioned is really awesome and you really enjoyed, is fifteen dollars on Amazon right now, right? Port yeah. Royale is like fifteen bucks. You can get Dice Forge for like $32. You know, you can get like Porta Negra is $32. That game is awesome from Stronghold. Clank, 40 bucks. Like, there's games that are out now that are awesome that you could be enjoying, or like you can be dumping $200 into a Kickstarter that is going to come out maybe in a year, maybe in two, maybe three and a half. Like, I mean, how many delays has, like, uh, Cthulhu Wars and Kingdom Death Monster and all these other games had, you know? I, I have a couple of Kickstarters, uh, and again, this is, like, part of what turned me off, where it's like, oh, yeah, I did back this thing three years ago, and I'm still getting updates. And again, like, don't get me wrong, like, even, like, Sentinels, like, Sentinels of the Multiverse, right? That game is awesome. This is, like, Kickstarter is their bread and butter. That's how they run their business a lot. They sell in retails and everything else, but... Every one of those Sentinel games went to Kickstarter first. The game has been around for six years. Like, Sentinels has a history. Oblivion is almost a year late at this point. Wow. You know, it's coming soon. But how soon? You know, like, you guys have been around the block and this thing is still delayed. And it's like, things like this, it's like... I mean, can you just imagine if you went to a restaurant... And you're like, oh, like, let me get, um, like, the double burger and uh, sweet potato fries. And uh, you know what? Uh, I'm going to get a Sam Adams with that. Let me get the Boston Lager. Okay, no problem. And they, like, they're like, oh, you know, you got to pay now. And you're like, sure. And then the guy goes, all right, just sit down and we'll bring your food to you when we're, when we're ready for it. And oh, you're like, oh, me. like, yeah. And you're like, 10, 15 minutes. And they're like, no, no, like, maybe October. And you're like, but that's months from now. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, yeah. I've and believe me, I've had that experience. I remember I took someone to um, homecoming, and we went to a restaurant, and this and this person had no. <laughs> the start of the night was was awesome because she paid no attention to me, which in the first place was amazing. And then we proceeded to wait three hours for our food. Oh my god! Before it came. And only because it was a double date and it was homecoming that I waited. And guess guess how many times I've been back since? Five. <laughs> <laughs> well, because you, that malted milkshake is awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's more it's more than you think. It's actually mm-hmm. once, but that's only because that was 
I don't know, 25 years later, so they probably have <laughs> long since learned their lesson. I was going to say, like, so. it was the only place that was open during the blizzard and you were hungry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah. Yeah, but, um, but it's kind of interesting, like, you know, just hearing them talk about that concept of, like, you know, they don't want pimped out versions of games, or, like, they don't want promos and they think expansions is unnecessary kind of like really got me thinking about a lot of those things you know it's like if you approach kickstarter with that idea or you approach like certain games like how many times have you gone to a game store and you're like this thing looks great oh and there's like the five expansions right next to it if if you could not get an expansion into a game unless you played it at least like five or ten times how many expansions do you think you would still be getting in life you know like yeah, DC no Deck Builder, you play a lot. So yeah, you get expansions for that. But other games, you'd be like, no, yeah, we can't get that expansion yet. I, I got to play two more times. You yeah. Know, I think that would destroy people. <laughs> it's like yeah. it would break their minds. Yeah, exactly. You know, the funny thing is, too, and uh, I was kind of half thinking about it and half not, because you uh, talking about these games that don't get talked about, I'll just kind of quickly talk about one. You were nice enough to send us uh, Port Royale, and um, now it's done by Steve Jackson, and you told me that the cards are smaller, so then if you want to get the old expansion from the older version, it wouldn't match up because those cards would be too big and the other cards would be too small or whatever. And I'm thinking, ah, it won't matter. But now that we've played it, we only play it the one time. I love it. I think it's amazing. And I'm like, oh, man, now I can't play the damn expansion. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Dan. So... Yeah, I mean, for what it's worth, like, um, so see, like, that's another perfect example, right? Like, Port Royale, does it need the expansion? The answer is absolutely not. Like, you don't, it's not necessary in any way. Yeah. I went for it because I, we played Port Royale about, like, 50 times, and we're like, let's see what it adds. It literally adds only, like, two or three new people, adds two new boots, uh, bo- boots, Jesus Christ, two new boats for each color, but the big thing that I was interested in was... They have contracts where it's like, oh, if you have like these two workers, you get some extra coins. And since Kim stomped the ever-loving hell out of me, every like ninety percent of the game is a Port Royale. She's like, oh, I get the priest. I'm gonna go on this expedition. I'm at nine points, and I'm looking at my board. I'm at like four. I'm like, oh my <laughs> god. I'm like, how are you doing this every time? You're never going to get to your points that way. Yeah, it's like, fine, whatever, you win, I get it, let's keep going. And then I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's try again. And I lose again, I'm like, alright, one more. I'm like, best out of five, best out of nine, best out of 36, this is, you know. <laughs> and um, so the expansion at least got me into it a little more, because now when I had those weird offshoot guys, they gave me a few extra coins so I can at least catch up. Yeah. Because you know, like, getting four coins in that game is a, is a, is a bit big, it's kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, how many times have you flipped over the three or four coin boat and seen somebody go, nah, I'm going to keep pushing? Nobody! Nobody does that! (laughs) Uh, Hey, actually, Tracy does. What? (laughs) She's greedy. She's a greedy girl. Oh, my God. She pushes pushes her a luck a lot in Port Royal. (laughs) How many times has she won? Oh, she won the one time we played, of course. Yeah. I've said this a million times. I'm a moron, so I'm going to get beat. (laughs) Do you have a comment? Not on the podcast? No, I just... I was just going to say, because I had two gestures. Two gestures. Two gestures. Yeah. So were you you busting out constantly and making her rich? Yes, exactly. (laughs) It's funny, even the one time I did, I was like, I don't care. I'm giving you money, but whatever. Nice. Yeah. She played it wisely. She followed the Ed strategy. Ed loves those gestures. Speaking of Port Royale, don't forget... Listeners still have the opportunity to uh, to win a copy. I'm, I'm still throwing one out there for a lucky listener. Yeah, yeah. seriously. Rate us on iTunes. We're going to send you a free game. Come on. How easy is that? We're going we're gonna to pick a winner out soon. I'm going to make sure it gets to you guys before the holidays, as long as you're in the continental U.S. Even if you're not, I might see if I can work it out through uh, Pegasus Veal. I don't want to blow like $83 sending somebody this game, but if I can get it done for uh, you know, for a few bucks more, I'll be willing to all uh, change up how I get this done. But hey man, you rate us on iTunes. You know, if if you rate us on iTunes, you can always uh, quick throw on our Twitter at MFGcast like, "Hey guys, I rated you. Check it out right here." Yep. <laughs> yep, exactly. Send us the link. We'll send you a free game. It'll be awesome. And that game is cool. Like, again, I've only played it the one time, but I, we really enjoyed it. So 
it's going to get a lot of replayability over here. Yeah, I, w- I would say, um, for what it's worth, you can even like ditch the box and just throw it in a deck box to keep it in your car for like coffee yeah. shops and stuff. Yeah, you can. It's funny because we we had that talk and you're like, oh, it's bigger and you need it, and I'm like, no, you don't. Yeah, I <laughs> but, I keep two copies of Port Royale and the expansion in that box. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. For for the one that they have, it's like okay. It shows like it should have a spot for an expansion, but there's not going to be. So why the hell do we need this big box? I think it's also because it's a Munchkin insert by default. Yeah, and that's totally what it is. It's because of the, it's because of the, Munchkin instruction. They just use the same thing, the <laughs> same card, same size cards, same size instruction booklet. Come on, get creative, Steve Jackson. I was saying I could see it where it's like you know like oh we can use a smaller box in this set. We only have one setting on this machine. Okay, that's how it is then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I could turn this knob and make the cards bigger, but why would I? We haven't changed that in yeah. 22 years. It's kind of like when you go to the ice cream place and you're like, really feel like chocolate fudge. Well, we only have plain chocolate. Well, I guess I'll be having that then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, yeah, I really wanted it, so I guess that's what I'm stuck with. <laughs> Damn right. And uh, one last quick moment of uh, some uh, Fister Pride. So we started doing a local game thing at our Tim Hortons, which is basically like a, you know, like donut coffee shop, but they have like a whole bunch of tables and we do a weekly gaming meet up there. We had two tables concordantly playing uh, Port Royale. So I, I was funny. One table had the Steve Jackson copy and then I had the Pegasus Lookout Spiel to copy on the other table. But it was awesome that 10 people were playing Port Royale at the same time at two separate tables. Nice. So I was very happy for that little accomplishment. Nice. Uh, another uh, other little fun little aside too is that uh, I referenced that we talked about Port Royal in our last episode, and he liked it, and I didn't even I didn't even at him. So I don't know. He must he must just have Port Royal as something that pings him, and he's or maybe he maybe he's in Germany or wherever he's at, and he's like or Austria or whatever, and he's like, Bing! I hear something. I, talking <laughs> about me. I'm convinced that he's probably like whenever I tweet him, he's like. I think this dude's stalking me. <laughs> <laughs> but he's awesome, and he's got great games, and he has tons of games at his club and friends art, so I'm always happy. Yep, that's awesome. All right, man, so we talked about a lot of awesome games. Uh, I think I'm going to quick roll out and try to play one before the night is through. Very nice, very nice. So until next time, I am Kurt. And this is D. Wyatt. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> and I guess this is the MFG cast? <laughs> damn right it is. <laughs> Bye. D. Wyatt. Legends of Tabletop Podcast. Creating legends one die at a time.